Good morning, welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. There we go, yeah. Let's do it one more time. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Now we got her cooking. Yes, sir. And I was reminded, I want to thank uh, someone. They said, man, I love it when you ring the Tibetan chimes. I said, I'll go get them. Ask and you shall receive. Look at that. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to drop into some silence here in a moment. I'll initiate that with these Tibetan bells. And uh, what I'll do first is just invite all of you uh, and welcome all of you that uh, some of you are here for the first time. So I'm, I'm the spiritual director here. I'm Patrick Cameron. And uh, if you are here for the first time, thank you. Uh, if you have brought a friend today, thank you. If uh, we're going to have Bring a Friend Month in January, and we're going to track that, and if you don't bring a friend, we are going to have a class in February called How to Win Friends and Influence People. So just letting you know that we're going to do everything we possibly can to get you equipped to actually make a friend and then bring them to the center. So lots of fun things happening, lots of exciting things happening. Uh, I'm going to talk about dreams. When you walked in this morning, you saw the posters of our evolution, where we used to be, the Saxony Hotel where we presently are, and the possibility of future. And there's a lot of exciting things happening here. So we'll talk a bit about it today, and then uh, we'll pick it up again next week. So welcome. I'm going to sound these Tibetan bells. Uh, we'll just drop into the silence together. I would invite you, which is part of uh, what I'm going to talk a bit about today, as you drop into the silence, to ask yourself internally, what is here now if there's no problem to solve? It's a very point, uh, powerful and point, poignant question and part of a practice I'm going to share with you today. A bit of my uh, sharing today will be wrapped around that idea. What if there were no problem to solve? So let's begin in our silence. Then I will s uh, share a chant and offer a, an affirmative prayer. very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So what I know and invite you to know with me, and, uh, and thank you for the invitation to allow my words to be your words. So let us open the doorway to pure awareness, awake awareness. It's not the mind, it's not thinking, it's not the body, it's not solving any problems. 
It is is a spaciousness that we can trigger by simply asking the question, what is here now if there's no problem to solve? So I invite you to just relax in this moment. Put down any concerns, worries that you may have, anything that needs to be fixed, any good, strong opinions you have that are really rich right now. No problem to solve. And the paradox is it moves us into an empowered place of oneness. We are unitive. We move from duality, that there is something other than God, into oneness, that this activity of spirit, of source, of life, if the G word turns you off, forget it. It's just a name. It is an experience. It's one thing to have a string of Christmas lights. It's another to turn it on. Let's turn it on right here and right now. Let's recognize and accept that the truth of our being As all the masters have said, there's one life, that life is spirit, that life is the infinite. It's male and female. It is everywhere present, but nowhere in particular until we start to co-create with it and activate it and move it in certain directions in our lives. And paradoxically, we do that beautifully and powerfully, most effectively by stepping into it in unity. And so as we stand in unity, because we know who we are, we know what to do. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then the things that we thought were problems we look at in new ways. They are opportunities to be transformed and put into something purposeful and powerful. So I know this day, this sharing this day, what we're giving birth here, transforming lives, is happening here and now. As I contemplate, what is here and now if there's no problems to solve? Grace, beauty, peace, love, joy, light. And so I give thanks here and now. I give thanks for the blessings and the the challenges and the opportunities, the obstacles and the joys, the love and the care and the miracle of life that is available to all of us. You are a gift. You are powerful. You are precious. You are loved, pressed down beyond measure. So I say yes to this and I invite you to say yes to this. And as we say yes to that, let us know that that the beingness of who we are in this awake awareness is transformed into unconditional loving awareness that blesses not only those of us that are together this day, but anyone that comes to mind is offered unconditional, in an appropriate and beautiful way, unconditional love, support, and knowing. This is a prayer. Our prayer is being this, and it is transmitted instantaneously not through a telephone line, but through consciousness, because we are one. For this I give thanks, I release these words, and invite you to say with me. And so it is. So I want to just give you a quick update. I know that a lot of you knew, knew about my granddaughter, uh, Julia Carroll. She had, uh, um, we were gone for a couple weeks. Um, I'll speak briefly about that today. But she had open heart surgery on uh, December 7th, and uh, it, it was miraculous. Her, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's... It's quite a relief. And uh, as soon as she, she, her heart was so um, ineffective in, in two holes in her heart. So what, what happened is they tried to feed her. She'd just fall asleep. It would just wear her out. She didn't even have enough energy to, to eat. So as soon as they fixed the, the, the holes in the heart and closed her up, she, as soon as she uh, went to a feeding, she was able to eat like she'd never eaten before. So she came home on Thursday and uh, we're really, really uh, appreciative of your prayers. So I just want to, because people keep asking me, so I want to just let you know that uh, your prayers and support were much appreciated the whole way through. And they kept moving the uh, operation date around, which there's stories behind that, but it's always right and perfect. So, interesting in that. So we are, I am the place where light shows up, and that's a picture of Dr. Ernest Holmes. Dr. Holmes is brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. 
Every time I pick up a textbook and read his stuff, it's like, wow. Uh, just a brilliant guy. And it took a lot of courage for him to, to, to say the things he said at the time he said. Because in 1926, when he, read the, when he published the textbook, it wasn't a popular idea. Because this whole idea of what, he, what we teach, of unit of consciousness, is very, is very Eastern in its philosophy. But he married it with Christianity in a way that, that, that a few of his contemporaries had done, and, 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 and people re- responded to that. But a lot of people didn't. A remarkable guy. So today I want to talk about three things that come all inspired by Dr. Holmes and, and another doctor I'll share with you in a moment. The first is suffering and misery. What is our position on suffering and misery? The second is the divine urge and I have a dream. So I have a dream. When you walked in this morning and you saw the, the posters there of where we've been and where we'd like to go, it's keeping that dream alive of possibility, of opportunity. Are we ready to do that now and step into it? No, but unless we nurture the idea of possibility... We'll never get there. And it may seem with what we have right now, oh, it's impossible. It really? Maybe not. Maybe we don't have to do it all ourselves. Maybe the universe is smart enough and benevolent enough, loving enough, that it knows what it's doing. So what must, me, what must I become? What must we become as a community to give birth to that? That's the joy. That's the opportunity of something that's generative and, po- and, and, and possible. Because most of the world out there right now will tell you that, you know, church is dead. That spiritual community is dead. And I, you know what? Some of the old ideas of that are dead. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, there's something alive. And we're going to ex- expand on that today. So I want to start out with a, a story that I think is very simple, but I think is very profound. Once there was a fish who had heard the tales of the source of life which would bring whoever found it their heart's desire. The fish swam to every corner of the ocean asking, where is the source of life and how can I find it? She kept getting pointed towards different tasks into more remote parts of the sea, further, deeper, higher. After many years of seeking, the fish arrived back at the place where she had first started. Entering her home water, she encountered an older fish who asked, what is going on with you, my friend? Why do you look so worried and dejected? I've spent years looking for the source of life. The fish explained, I can't even begin to tell you how many things I've tried or the number of places I've searched. All in vain. I don't suppose you know where I could find it. The old fish smiled and said, I've heard many names for the source of life in my day, but the simplest is water. So the the interesting thing and and the, 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 the core premise of science of mind is that God is the only activity, or source. If the G word, sorry, I'm trying to not use the G word so much, source, life, love, whatever designator you give it. So if G triggers you, I'll do my best, I promise. But it's just a letter, do you know what I mean? Anyway, but, but, but that's all there is. There's nothing going on but that. But we fall asleep in the dream of, 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 of these things that, that uh, create struggle and suffering in our life. So Dr. Holmes says this in the textbook about this idea of struggle and misery. He says many things, but I picked this particular one. Here it is. Free yourself forever. Free yourself forever from the thought that God may be pleased by a life of sacrifice, that the world is any better because your misery, or that righteousness is more perfectly expressed through poverty than abundance. But this is a really popular idea. We went down to Mexico for our holiday, and, there's, and we were in San Miguel de Allende, which is a beautiful little city. 
amazing. And there's a big cathedral at the center of it. And then there's like six Catholic churches around it within like two blocks. I mean, I haven't been in that many churches ever. And I'm in this church every day. But the point is, is that, you know, and, and their whole history, I mean, it was remarkable. We went on some tours to hear the history of that, and the evolution of that consciousness. Those people came together by right of consciousness and had their perfect experience. But this idea, there's many, many people on the planet, and even the Buddha say, the Buddha said life is suffering. But the Buddha didn't say keep suffering. He just said acknowledge it, that there will be challenges. There will be things you won't know. There'll be mystery. There'll be anxiety. There'll be fear. There'll be all kinds of things that you will experience. So he acknowledged it right up front. That's why he said that life will be suffering. But it doesn't mean you are destined to suffer. It just, when you understand that life is suffering, you stop suffering. You go, oh, because then you see suffering. Because you understand and see suffering, you stop suffering. Oh, I get it. Because then you can put your energy into something more interesting. Does that make sense? Or am I, just, am I just hallucinating up here? I had so many cups of coffee this morning, I can't count anymore. But the point is, is to free yourself forever from the thought that God may be pleased by a life of suffering, that we are in somehow, so here's this anthropomorphic guy with a long beard up on a cloud, and this guy is happy when we're miserable. That's what they're telling you. Do you believe that? I mean, I was taught God is love. And then, you know, I'm five years old, and they're telling me this. You mean a God that loves me is going to have me burn in hell for the rest of my life because I ate a bologna sandwich on a Friday? I'm not understanding this. Sister, can you explain this to me? And they'd whack me and tell me to shut up and read the Baltimore Catechism. I mean, that's the tools they had. So I stopped asking questions like that, you know. So then when they say things like that that I didn't understand, I would just nod my head. Because it was suffering when I asked the questions, and I didn't want to suffer anymore. I guess this is how we do life, right? So the point being is, is that we're not here to suffer. We're here to live in freedom. We're here to live in joy. You bless the world living in freedom and joy and abundance. More than enough. To live for more than enough. I want that for me, and I want that for you. To live for more than enough, which is not about how much we have, it's how we hold life. It's how we hold life. So the next idea, suffering and misery, Holmes said we're not here for that, and God is not pleased by that, is the divine urge. Now I love this phrase, the divine urge. It's one of the things that hooked me. You know, getting back to the fish story, the two fish are talking afterwards, and they said, you know, the way to be a healthy fish is don't get hooked. I like that, and some of you shared that with me. But look at the metaphor there, huh? Ah, I got hooked. So the divine urge. Know that the greater abundance of every good thing which you are bringing out in your life, the more perfectly you are satisfying the divine urge within you. Every good thing is a, is a reflection of this, this awake awareness of this unified field of co-creation. And what happens is most of us, we stumble on it. It happens by accident. We're out for a hike out in nature. And all of a sudden we have this, we have a bliss experience. We have, and see, we're not, we're not here to live in bliss, but we can have the bliss experience. You know, the bliss experience is amazing, but it's not why we're here. But when, when we're in the unified field, when we're connected to that divine source of life, we can have that. But what we're here is to understand the truth of our being. It's not our minds, it's not our bodies, it's not our personalities, it's not our egos, it's not our wants and needs. Paradoxically, when we step into it, when we open the door to it and we can learn how to do it intentionally, 
Most of the time we stumble on it. I've stumbled on it. I want to do it intentionally more often than not. Because then when I'm in the unified field, I know who I am without doubt. And when I know who I am without doubt, I know what to do. It informs my decisions. And so then, because I realize there's no problems to solve, which all of a sudden I have to put down, and what's, away, what's left? Pure awareness, spaciousness. Oh my gosh. Something is having its way by means of me that I don't quite understand, but it's quite beautiful. I've been practicing this and practicing this for days and days and days, and it's quite beautiful, I've got to tell you. I've had, a lot of, I've had a lot of spiritual orgasms over the last 72 hours. But it's a beautiful thing. And every time I start to pick something up because there's a problem to solve or there's a good opinion or I've got to blame someone or shame someone because that's what my old tradition was all about. It's original sin. You're a sinner. You're bad and wrong. Ernest Holmes comes along and goes, no, 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 no. That served very well for a period of time, but we have evolved beyond that. If you need that, if you need someone blaming and shaming you, there's plenty of places out there to find that, but not here. Not here. Let's do our best. And, we've, and, and so it's not about never doing it again. It's catching ourselves and stopping ourselves sooner rather than later. Because, oh, wait a minute. I'm in an agreement with myself. I'm going to step into this awake awareness, which births unconditional loving awareness. This is what Jesus taught. This is what the Buddha taught. So how do we get there? I'm going to share a little practice with you at the end. I'm going to keep sharing these practices because they work. And they're not new practices, but it's so great to be alive at a time on this planet when so many people are awake and aware. We get into a tour. We hired a tour guide when we were in Mexico. We went to a couple of cities. We went to an amazing, amazing city, capital of the state of uh, Guantanato. And Guanajuato is um, also the capital. So there's a city, Guanajuato, in the state of Guanajuato. We went to Guanajuato. Get in there to drive over there, and the driver immediately says, you know what I think's happening with Donald Trump? And I said, oh, boy. I just flew a day and a half to come down to Mexico and talk about my buddy. And he said, I think Donald Trump is just getting people woke up, mobilized. I said, you are correct, sir. Now let's get on with the tour. <laughs> we didn't have to talk about him ever again on that tour. We were both in agreement. He is. He's waking us up. He is modeling the unintegrated shadow. He's modeling the unintegrated shadow. He believes more is better, that he's got all the answers, he's going to fix it. You know, everything, and how do we know he's, he's doing this? He's projecting everything he is on everybody else. I just read an article where they picked out the, the most significant untruth things, untrue things he's said in the last 11 months. He's done on average 11 of them a month for 11 months. And those are the big ones. Those aren't the little ones. Those aren't the fabrications or exaggerations. Those are the out-and-out lies. So fake news. Well, guess what that's a projection of? Duh. You know, that's the lack of integrity with himself that he sees out there. And the things that he says, it's all a reflection. And when you listen to his conversation, it's all a reflection of what he sees out there. And it's true for all of us. So you see somebody out there pointing fingers, blaming and shaming. It's a reflection of where they're living from. That's how they're holding life. And so, you know, it's fascinating because this stuff, we're immersed in it. But this divine urge, know that the greater abundance of every good thing which you're bringing out in your life, the more perfectly you are satisfying the divine urge within you, which is the divine presence, which is not personality, which is not egoic. It is that thing, that's life itself that is seeking expression. And beautifully and uniquely can only be expressed by you in your own perfect way. So I have another 
thing I want to share with you today along the way. It's called I Have a Dream. And it's inspired by possibility here. You know, this week, um, we put in all new fluorescents along the sides, and they're LEDs. We've got a strip light that's going to go around. So if you're here for Christmas, you're going to get to see this amazing light show when you come in. But it's just been remarkable, and it's been the vision. It's been a dream. It's been a small piece, but a big vision of a few key people here. And you know, the great thing about it is I didn't have to do it. For 15 years, anytime anything didn't get fixed around here, I was fixing it. In fact, I slipped off the rails this week. I was going down to get material for the diverters, which is going to cover these beautiful lights. And we've never had light like this. So this is a season of light. Man, let's bring on the light. So I'm driving down to the ceiling store to get a sample of a diverter. I'm halfway down. I go, wait a minute. I've been told not to do this anymore. And I turned right around and came back into my office, started reading, getting ready for Sunday again. I'm like, wow. See, I have to, thank you. Yep, well, but that's just a small example of what's happened around here because people are carrying things like never before. People are stepping up to be in service like never before because we got work to do. There's amazing, powerful things happening here. And it's part of having a dream and having a vision because it's so easy to say, ah, it used to be this and it used to be that. Yeah, it did, and that was then. That was then. This is today. What are we doing in this point in time, this day, to move forward? and to take a stand on this planet. So I'm going to share with you something that's just wonderful. There he is, Dr. Martin Luther King, I have a dream. So August 28, 1963, there was a march on Washington, and people of color and, and, and people that supported people of color emerged into Washington, D.C., before the statue of Abraham Lincoln. And I'm going to read to you part of his speech, I have a dream, because it's, you know, it was 150 years ago that the slaves were freed. And this speech is as pertinent today as it was then. And he's, this, I'm starting in the middle of the speech because it's about a 20-minute speech. I'm going to use the last couple of pages. And we're going to use this because this ties in beautifully with the season for nonviolence, which we're taking a stand for in Edmonton this year. We've already booked City Hall. We're putting a program together because it's time for us to get out and take a stand in the world and let people know what we stand for. It's time for us to st show up in the awake awareness consciousness that we all have the capacity to do and show up in unconditional love for our brothers and sisters and to be of service to something bigger. So Martin Luther King said this, and he talks prior to this in this speech of the, the, the continued prejudice that has go that's gone on. For 100 years, slaves have been free, but they can't eat at the same lunch counter. They can't use the same water fountain. They can't use the same bathrooms. They don't have, they don't have access to education the way the white people do. They don't, there's many, many things that were happening. This is 100 years later. He says, I'm not unmindful that some of you have come here from a great trials and tribulations. Some of you come from fresh from narrow gel cells. And some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storm of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities. Know that somehow this situation can and will be changed can and will be changed. So it's a message of hope, of possibility for people that have pretty much been crushed and marginalized beyond what many of us can probably imagine. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair, I say to you today, my friends. So what he's saying is have the vision to know that today is a new day. 
Today is a new possibility of moving forward. And so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I would say it's a humanity's dream for all of us to listen to. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, and I would add women, are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering in the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day, down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with his governor having his, his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day, right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of God shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is our faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountains of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we'll be able to transform the jangling discord of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we'll be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we'll be free one day. And this will be the day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be great, a great nation, this must become true. I would say for the world to be a great world, and to fulfill what our opportunity is, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from the stone-capped mountains of Georgia. Let freedom ring from the lookout mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up the day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I think that that speech is as relevant today as it was 150 uh, years ago. It's still going on. We see, it, we see the languaging. We just had that election in Alabama, which was a bit of a miracle because they didn't expect the Democrat to prevail over the Republican. 
but people know there's an inherent, an inherent goodness in us. And, and what we're, we're witnessing right now, as I talked about Donald Trump a bit, is this unbridled, unintegrated shadow that's coming out. And so rather than have to, hor- to, to hate it and destroy it, it's important, I think, for us to understand it with wisdom and to take a stand for what we believe in, personally. To have discernment so that we can give our precious life energy and attention to the things, our dreams, our hopes. You know, we're trying, there's a transformation that's going on here. We're trying. We're going to give it our our best go. We started with the Q process. The Q process is a way to look at where people get triggered. Not to punish people. I don't want to look at that stuff. I don't want to look at the dark stuff. Well, we've got to look at it so we can love it. We've got to look at it so we can bring consciousness to it so it no longer is driving our opinions and, and, our, and, our, and our activities. Because it doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve me to stand in hatred and bigotry, anger and frustration. All that does is cuts us off from the source of life. So how can we have practices in our lives? Dr. Holmes said the science of mind is a, is a teaching of freedom. I'm going to do a better job of getting this teaching. In fact, this, this coming year, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing, I'm going to be doing two different talks on Sunday. The early service is going to be a celebration of 100 years of the science of mind, and I'm going to, I'm going to take the textbook, and I'm going to flesh it out every Sunday. And the second one is going to be traditionally what we've been doing, which is a book of the month. You know, there's been talk about that, you know, maybe we should, we should downsize. I think we're here to teach. I think we're here to people let, this young girl came in this morning and she said to me, I had no idea there was a place like this. She said, I kept crying throughout the service. I found my tribe. This wasn't a, this is a woman in her late 20s, early 30s. I found my tribe. I felt the same way when I found this teaching. I needed a place to to anchor myself with something that that was real and true for me, not a bunch of rules and regulations and, and commandments. And then I'd, I'd break the commandment and I'd feel like crap for weeks and months and years. It's like, no, no, no. Dr. Holmes said we're punished for our sins, not, we're by our sins, not for our sins. In other words, it's the law of cause and effect. We have something precious to offer the world. And I say we do more of it, not less. We are here to be of service to this and to transform consciousness. We have a finite period of time. I don't want to waste any, any time. I have a dream. I want the same freedoms for you I want for me. Because I understand the connection. There's only one of us here, God. God is all there is. We're the individualized expression. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But why live in, why live in, in, in suffering and pain? And we want to help shift and change that so that the beingness that we take out in the world, so when we go out for the season of nonviolence, we're not all pissed off at the world and one another. Don't, let's stay home. Let's call it in. Let's just fantasize about all the good things we could have done if we weren't so angry. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. We have today. Last year's last year. Yesterday's yesterday. It's good as a point of reference, but what is, what, how am I feeding and seeding my dreams today? Where do I want to go? Where do you want to go? Because I want to support you. I want the greater good for you. Even if I don't agree with your greater good, I want to support you in it so you can have the full experience of your greater good. Because you may have a greater good that you crash and burn. But that's for you. That's important. Because nothing can diminish you. Maybe you had to crash and burn. Maybe you had to have your heart broken. 
to realize how resilient and beautiful and wonderful and, and, and immortal you are, powerful, beyond measure. Dr. Holmes said, anything you can dream of is not too great for you to undertake. We're talking about you and me. I'm talking about the other you. Anything you can dream of is not too great, great for you to undertake. It, it, if it hurts no man or woman, let's say, and brings happiness and good into your life. Any good that you want to undertake. How do you know if it's good? Well, does it bring happiness to me and am I hurting anybody? There's two simple questions. Wow. If either one of those is yes, then stop. Call me up. My phone number's all around here. We'll get you back on track. He also said, never let anything cause you to doubt your ability to demonstrate the truth. Conceive of your word as being the thing. We activate this through the spoken word. See the desire, he continues. These are all from the same page, Science of Mind textbooks. See the desire as an already accomplished fact and rest in perfect confidence, peace, and certainty, never looking for results, never wondering, never becoming anxious, never becoming hurried or worried. Holy crikey. That one will drive you right out the door, won't it? Never becoming worried. That's my way of life. When I'm not anxious, I'm worried. Let's see, should, how much time should I spend worried? Well, I'm going to move over to anxious for a while now. <laughs> I'll go back over and worry for a bit more. There are people, that's how people live. It takes awareness. Those who do not understand this attitude may think that you are inactive. But remember, love this. To him that can perfectly practice in action, all things are possible. To him that can practice in action, all things are possible. So I want to talk to you about a, a practice that I, is so powerful and wonderful. And thank you, teens, for being here. Love you guys. I can feel the energy. The love, the waves of love coming from the teens today. Ah, it's awesome. So I want to share an idea with you. And it's not a new idea, but it's some contemporary words, and it's uh, some, a practice I've been working with recently. Because everywhere I go, I hear the same words. doesn't matter what guru I listen to, what spiritual teacher I listen to, they all say the same thing. And Dr. Holmes just said it. To practice, to him that can per perfectly practice in action, all things are possible. So it's not about doing something, it's about being something first. It's about you are not the body, you are not the mind, you are not your ego, you are not your emotions. Those are the mini-me's. Those are the mini-me's. But they're not who we are. We are so powerful and gracious. The paradox is how do we get there? Because we stumble into it. We go out into nature. We have this amazing experience. We have our granddaughter go through surgery and it's successful and now she can eat and it's like, oh, my God, it's a miracle. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it opens up a spaciousness and a graciousness that is, is, is life-altering. And it's a beautiful thing because without the dark, you can't appreciate the light. But it's to stay the course and the resilience and hang in there. So this idea, the unified field oneness, is, is a beautiful thing that Dr. Holmes understood. Our prayer work, our affirmative prayer starts with recognition and unification. Start right there. He knew this. He gave us a tool. He gave us a pathway. There is one life. That life is spirit's life. That life is life's life. That life is source. And it is my life now. Same idea, nothing new. He just put it in contemporary words for the, for the audience he was speaking to and teaching. He said, most people have experienced a state of peace, of love, and freedom from the limited mind. Because the limited mind is busy, busy, busy. Because most of us have stumbled upon it unintentionally, we don't know how to find it intentionally. So I'm gonna give you a practice, a first of many, to find it intentionally. 
Because we don't have time to go and, and live in a cave. We don't have time to step out of our lives. We need to do it here and now wherever we are. We need to do it in a line of Safeway. We need to do it at a, a, a stuck in traffic. We need to do it at the third period of the Oiler game and they're down by two goals. You know what I mean? That's something to worry about. Oh, my God. Because my well-being and income is contingent upon those guys being successful. Not. But you'd think it was, wouldn't you? It's just a hockey game. You know, they do, they do play 82 of them in a year. And it's a wonderful activity. I'm amazed. I tell people all the time, you would not believe, even in the summertime in Edmonton, they have a radio station that talks about hockey every day. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm not picking on hockey fans, but every day, 365 days a year, hockey? Okay, anyway. Discovering awake awareness. I want to talk about discovering awake awareness is the key to transformation of consciousness that leads to our ability to live from freedom, from well-being, and loving connection. Dr. Holmes said our teaching is one of freedom, love, abundance, creativity, opportunity. That is our teaching. And if you're not living that, why not? Because I, I can't do your work for you and you can't do it for me. Because we're in the habit of focusing on fast money, Fast, fast money, fast moving thoughts, and strong emotions, and of seeking happiness outside of ourselves, we don't notice awake awareness. Because awake awareness is the truth of our being. Nothing to acquire, we don't have to develop it, we just have to reveal it. So we're going to get to that. Rather than looking to our thoughts, our memories, our personality, our roles to identify ourselves, we learn to know awake awareness is the primary dimension of who we are, the ground of being. We're down in Mexico. I got about 300 words of Spanish I know. Laura and I rented a place down there on this little cobblestone street. Little cute little Mexican kids running up and down the street and people building. Down there, they don't use a forklift. They just throw the bricks up three floors. And the other guy grabs it and throws it. And they got this brick thing going. I go, oh, man, where's OSHA? You know, this is uh, amazing. Like Laura says, yeah, they don't have all the rules we have. I said, I know. But the nice thing about it was you get plucked out of your environment. It's all new. They don't know I'm a minister. They don't know about Ernest Holmes, religious science. All you can be is aware and, and, and greet people and a whole life. If you try to speak Spanish down there, they laugh at you. They welcome you. It's so sweet. Hola, Paco. Como esta usted? Muy bien, y tú? Si, donde es la baño? I know how to find the bathroom. Okay. I can ask for a pencil, keys. That's all you need to know. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, but it was, it was the mystery. So one of the important things about this awake awareness is to learn how to separate awareness from thinking because awareness is not, awake awareness is not thinking. And then you can see that thoughts and emotions are not the center of who we are. And that which is aware of fear is not fearful. When you're aware of fear, see fear, then you're not identified with fear. When you say, well, I'm scared. Yeah, you are. But when you realize, hey, I'm having the experience of fear, you separate yourself. It's so powerful and so important. When awake awareness is, the ex is then experienced as inherent within everything, we feel a unity with all of life because we're in the unified field. We're in the unified field. We begin to move from, op from open-mindedness to open-heartedness. Awake awareness is a stage to move to the open-heartedness. 
The expression of awake awareness that knows unconditional love and interconnectedness with all things. The journey of awakening is a series of shifts and small glimpses. Small glimpses. Repetition, 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 small glimpses. It naturally and immediately opens us up to qualities of peace, joy, love, and courage. Einstein called this busy mind the, op- the optical delusion of consciousness. We fall asleep in the dream, the optical delusion of consciousness that, that my desires and my need to feel safe are who I am. It's not who you are, it's, just, it's a story you've grabbed onto. You're already safe, you already have enough. We are so used to knowing ourselves through our troubles, our dreams, and our obsessions that awake awareness, which is our true nature and our basic goodness, is hard to accept as our true identity. See, Dr. Holmes, I believe, wrote from awake awareness. He wrote, he wrote from unconditional love awareness. That's what his textbook is so hard to access sometimes. So it's a consciousness. It's a, it's a way of life. It's a way of being. So I want to walk you, if I have your permission, I want to invite you to put both feet on the floor. I'm going to walk you through this little exercise. This is a call to action this week. And the question is, if you want to keep your eyes open, you keep your eyes closed, doesn't matter. The question that we're going to work with right now, I'm going to guide you for a few minutes. This will be very short. But this is, this is our opportunity this week. And if you're interested in hearing this, we have CDs that are available in the bookstore. It'll be up online in another uh, few weeks. But this is the first of, of many practices that I believe really help us move into this state of awake awareness. So when you're ready, either eyes open or closed, and ask yourself internally this question, what is here now if there is no problem to solve? What is here now if there's no problem to solve? Just rest, remain alert to who or what is experiencing in this moment. Who is here? Who is aware? What is here when there is nowhere to go and nothing to do? Nothing to know or create or become. What is here just now? when you are not the problem solver. Just feel into whatever shows up for you, here and now. Who or what is aware? What is here when there is no referencing the past? No going one moment into the future? When you're not settling into sleep and not going up to thought. What's here now? What's it like when there's no problem to solve just now? What do you notice? What is absent? what essential qualities are revealed. Practice with a beginner's mind. 
Practice with curiosity. What is here now if there's no problem to solve? So I'm going to invite you to just bring yourself back. I'm going to invite you to work with that question. When you find yourself really, really busy, we are masters at problem solving because that's what that egoic nature wants to do. We want to feel safe. We want to feel right. But the paradox is when we step into that field with grace, with willingness, what is here now? there's no problem to solve. It opens the door to awake awareness. It actually opens the door to local awareness, which moves to awake awareness, which eventually practiced enough energetically connects us to unconditional loved awareness. The simple practice. It's revolutionary. But it's a way for us to do this anywhere we are, at any point in time. It becomes a way of life. And then we show up in that unified field, that divine connection. It's the story of Michael Singer in the surrender experiment. It's the story of Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe starts every meditation. You are not the mind. You are not the body. You are not the thoughts. You are not the emotions. And he's just borrowing from all the great avatars and teachers that have come down through the ages. Every great, every great spiritual teacher that's come along understood that. But how do we access that? We access that with simple glimpses frequent glimpses that will shift the totality of our being and we start to realize there's a beauty and a grace the joy and a wonder that we are you and I not unique to anyone else Dr. Holmes understood that there's one life there's one activity it's the infinite it's source it's spirit and I claim it as my own here and now what's happened over the last hundred years is that consciousness has shifted we have never been so inundated with information as we are now. We are assaulted constantly. We are assaulted constantly. They're tracking right now the suicide rate with young people. And they find that the correlation between the use of the cell phone over the last period of time and the, and the, and the, the acceleration of the suicide rate correspond. So how do we bring awareness to life? We are not our cell phones. We don't have to know everything all the time instantaneously. In fact, a lot of the, the teachers that I know don't have a cell phone anymore. I'm working my way there. I'm going to get rid of my watch here pretty soon. So if I'm late for service, you'll know why. <laughs> but the point is we are inundated with it. So how do we give ourselves those breaks? How do we live the truth of our being, which is that we are the thing itself? But that busy, busy mind doesn't want us to go there because it feels like it's got to protect us. And God love it, but it doesn't have to. So how can I give something more interesting? What, what is there for me to know and do here and now if there's no problem to solve? All is well. And you give yourself a breather for 15, 20 seconds. And you work with it and you realize, wow, I'm getting really busy here in Frantic again. What if there's no problem to solve? I got up and sitting over there for both services. What if there's no talk I have to do? I've never done that before. I'm over there rehearsing my talk over and over and over again. What if there's no talk I have to do? Because what I need to know will show up. I've got notes, I'm prepared. But I'm not here, to, I'm not here to, to just deliver a product to you. I'm here to help share an experience with you. 
to remind you so when I show up in love here, I have an opportunity to, to convey that. And the same is true of you. So we, and then all of a sudden we start to have this love relationship of energy. It's a beautiful thing. It's healing. It's restorative. It's, there's genius there. There's possibility there. There's light there. There's wonder. There's abundance there. We hold life differently. I want that for me. I want that for you. If not us, who? If not us, who? Because we can jump on the Donald Trump bandwagon. There's not enough, and it's us versus them, and they're bad and wrong, and let's build walls, and let's create, let's create laws that marginalize and separate us. Martin Luther King talked about it. Where have we imposed limitation on ourselves? Where have we marginalized ourselves and crushed ourselves through the capacity of free will and choice? Those are the questions to ask, and we don't have to unravel all of that, but we get to ask ourselves, what would this be? What is, what's happening right here and now with no problems to solve? And step through that door into grace and beauty. There's nothing to think. If the mind starts, it's, no, no, no. We don't need to do that right now. We're taking a break. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I want to invite all of you beautiful people, anyone and everyone that has been in, in service to this community over the last 60 days, you know who you are. I want you to come on up and, and stand up here on the stage. We're going to try and play a song for you in celebration of your service to this community. So come on up. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you all for being of service, being part of this.